but I'm really into the group that strives to keep order and justice for the betterment of society. Like a fascist. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small force. (laughs) It's not... It's not. It's not fascism. It's not. It's a small force because they're like people live like there's governments. They are just the force who help keep the people in line. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Another Relaunch. My name is LZ. Hello, everyone. I'm Keenan. How are you doing today, Keenan? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm struggling today. Oh, all right. The, 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 so far as well, my week has been very busy with work anyway, which is fine. Like, uh, a busy work week is a quick work week. But yesterday was a good friend of mine's birthday, and we threw him a surprise party. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, But so he turned 33. And so he took three shots Thursday night and like going into Friday because his birthday's on a Friday. And so the goal was to take 10 shots Saturday, 10 shots. Oh, my. No, I'm sorry. We took 10 shots Friday, 10 shots Saturday, and then 10 shots on Sunday for like a full weekend of 33 shots to celebrate being 33. And... I have realized I am not that young anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So when I tell you I didn't make it past shot four, and even that was a little bit of a struggle, I was kind of like, oh, because they made a specialty drink as well. And the drink was basically just gin and Sprite. So it's like, (laughs) yeah. So it's just like, wow. But we're here. (laughs) Um, The surprise it, like it is. It, it it didn't taste that bad with the Sprite. So I'm not, I've never been a big fan of gin. I did have a bartender friend who told me once a lot of people who say they don't like gin actually do because gin is in a lot of drinks that they like. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, they just probably don't have the right mixes of some sort. But I was just like, the, the gin and Sprite was fine, but it was also gin and Sprite. So... A couple sips of that and then you start taking shots and he's like oh we gotta take 10 shots i was like we're not taking 10 shots tonight <laughs> <laughs> not um, setting up the party was fun though really quickly uh you know how have you ever watched like those competition shows cooking shows and things like that and they're like oh you got five minutes left and everybody's like scrambling and they were like why are these people panicking so we're setting up for the party and then we're like oh james is five minutes away and so we could like are running around looking for all the like tape and things because we're trying to put balloons up and we can't find it and so i'm standing i'm like i'm panicking (laughs) (laughs) freaking out (laughs) everyone it's just like the funniest thing i was like oh but we did it in time before he got there so we won the competition that was exciting (laughs) one <laughs> yeah. and that's good shout out to him happy birthday to him oh happy birthday james yes all right well let's get into these comics of the week because there are a lot of them 
There was. I don't know why my pool was so heavy. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> um, I feel like because a lot of my books were on pause because of Heroes Reborn. Mm. For me. <laughs> <We're loving it. laughs> um, all right, up first is Marvel Voices Pride number one. And uh, this is, excuse me, written by a plethora of different artists. We've got Vita Ayala, Terry Blaze, uh, Crystal Frazier, uh, Kieran Gillen, Tini Howard, uh, JJ Kirby, Anthony Oliveira, Steve Orlando. A uh, bunch of different artists are in here. Chris Anka, uh, Paulina uh, Ganicho, I think that's how you pronounce the name. Apologies if I did it wrong. Uh, Javier Garon. Um, and this was an anthology book that had a bunch of different stories of the LGBT plus characters within the Marvel universe. And I have to say, mm-hmm. I didn't really like it. <laughs> oh, okay. I am a uh, homosexual myself. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I don't know. It wasn't for you? It so, wasn't what I wanted it to give. So, like, the DC the DC one, in my mm-hmm. opinion, was better than this one. The okay. DC anthology actually felt just like, I don't know, a bunch of LGBT characters just... It was it felt like a couple pages from whatever book they would have been in, where they were just where going on heroes. and being heroes and stuff. I actually really enjoyed the Dreamer um, portions of that uh, mm-hmm. book. That was my first introduction to her. Um, she ends up being related to the dream girl from Legion of Superheroes. So I'm already a fan. Oh. Right? She a little overpowered with that energy blast thing, but like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, this one, mm-hmm. it just felt like a retelling of a lot of the um, LGBT characters of them like just being like gay. <laughs> You know, there wasn't um, to it. I agree with that a whole lot. I agree that a lot of the DC Pride stories felt just very authentic to the characters in the sense that they were just being heroes. We didn't get too much mention of it. And this Marvel Pride anthology spent a lot of time telling us that the people are gay instead of just them kind of doing whatever they do while being gay. Um, I think the Prodigy story is a pretty big example of that because I know everybody loves that think fast ship. I'm kind of not a fan of it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like a lot of it was kind of David telling Speed about, you know, how he realized he was bisexual and his whole experience with his powers and getting the sensations of everybody. It was just a extended version of the story we already <laughs> had David tell us in Young Avengers when he came out as bisexual. Yeah. And so, like, that felt a little bit unnecessary. It was like, why are you just telling me again or explaining to me why he has to be bisexual? Like, we already know how he got the the space. Um, We already know how he did it. I guess I could understand it from the the point of kind of wanting to know Speed's experience, but that's not what we got. We got just David again retelling his experience, um, Mm -hmm. which I personally didn't need. I also thought that the Anol and Dokken scene of them like dancing together was, was 
weird because oh, yeah. Doc is like much older than him. That was weird. It was given Call Me By Your Name, and I ain't like that. <laughs> it was I wasn't, weird. I wasn't into that. Um, and even that story, like when Ano said in a comment to Gray Malkin, and he was like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're my gay friend." And it was just like, "What?" Right. <laughs> like, and again, I can understand it from trying to come from a point of like, you also want to know that his friendship with Gray Malkin is different from all his other friendships because they both are gay men. But it just came across very awkward and a little heavy-handed. And it was just like, there were different ways to do it. Again, we kind of already got the gist when Gray Malkin was talking about how he went out on the date with the guy like two panels earlier. So it's like, why did you have to reiterate to us that like, oh, he's your gay friend? Yeah. I also feel like Anol has... When are they ever going to let him grow past the whole like discomfort stuff with his body? Like, I, I feel just, like that's been his narrative since he was like before he even lost his arm. Like, when is he going to, you know, kind of find a time to feel like a lot more comfortable within himself and like that not be his narrative anymore? Yeah, or is that I, just plays. I think that's just gonna kind of be his thing. But also, this kind of made me realize I don't think I like Anol as much as I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I did like that whole little time during the San Francisco era where him and Rockslide were running around trying to be superheroes was and like wearing costumes. Like that was fun. But other than that, he doesn't really do too much for me. Yeah, me neither. I was afraid for the Iceman story in this that it was because you know Iceman is like one of my top ten favorite characters, and I was afraid it was going to be like a bunch of white gay nonsense, and he was going to be just making like bottom jokes or whatever, but it wasn't bad. I actually thought that the moments between him and Magneto were pretty heartfelt. Um, he now, Bobby was crying like a little bitch in it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I get the, the point that they were trying to make. I did appreciate the the moments between Magneto and, and him. You know, Magneto let the kids. Um, yeah, it was nice. I thought that was kind of weird too. It was like Magneto's just showing up with these missiles and like nobody like Right, he was gonna bombard him. <laughs> <laughs> nobody else sees this or notices this or like this it was supposed to be that time, you know, when he was just more of that mustache twirling villain. It's like out there screaming before Xavier. <laughs> like <laughs> throw missiles at you, but then he sees Bobby. He's like, Oh, I don't wanna fight kids, but you're about to throw missiles at where they live. Right. So it's not adding up to me. I mean, but it was, but it was a nice moment. Yeah. It was a nice moment. It was a different era. Um, yeah. Overall, I thought the book was all right. They introduced the new character Somnus. I don't really care. Um, I didn't story either. Yeah. I would give this book a. Um, damn. I was gonna say a two. But then I feel like, you know, it's oh probably... Oh, my God, I was going to say it. But I'm not... I'm going to stick with it, too. <laughs> I also don't like that Somnus character's design. I don't like characters who have their feet exposed. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't like Barefoot Aquaman, or where they give him long hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Like, get some little booties or something. It's okay. <laughs> like, what you step in there? Right. I don't like feet, though, so that's more of a <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate this? Still a two? Oh uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a two. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Up next is Captain Marvel number twenty-nine, and this was written by Kelly Thompson, 
uh, with art by Jacopi Camini and the cover art was by uh, Marco Cecchetto. Cover art was fantastic. Marco has great covers. Mm-hmm. Um, this book, I won't even stay too long on it. It was great opening. We finally get the meetup between um, Captain Marvel and Enchantress. Her and Carol is asking Enchantress for help on learning magic. She laughs in her face <laughs> and it's like, I'm not gonna teach you any of this stuff. And um, she's like, you know, why would you ever think that I was gonna help you? And, she, and Carol is like, you know, because Dr. Strange told me not to. And I know you like to buck. I know you like to buck the chains. So, <laughs> oh, uh, Doctor Strange having in change was his phone number. Oh, for real though. <laughs> I did think they did also mention in this about how she was supposed to be locked up, because mm-hmm. Carol was like, you know, how could you? I'm sorry. Enchantress was like, how could you even find me? And Carol was like, you mean you don't think Thor knows where you are, even even though you're supposed to be in the cell? So I thought mm-hmm. that they kind of tie those two together. Uh, ultimately, she ends up helping Carol, but she tells Carol that they have to take her to Atlantis to like get this power stone or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, because O, who is the villain, is proficient in Atlantean and Asgardian magic, so mm-hmm. um, that sounds like my kind of character. Yeah, I think you probably would like O. Enchantress takes them to this place where she's like, oh, you need this pearl to like really help get to mm-hmm. it. She's like, I can't go in there and get it because all magic users are banned from like going within it. So Carol mm-hmm. goes in there to try to get it. It's obvious that <laughs> um, Enchantress is going to double cross her. And mm-hmm. the, Carol's entire mon- inner monologue is like, I know she's going to double cross me, but like, what choice <laughs> do I have? <laughs> Just do what Dr. Strange told you to do and not go through with this. <laughs> That would that would be the smart thing. To do. <laughs> but she really does think Ova's gonna kill everybody because she saw it uh, happen when she was in the future. So um, she has to fight these two big eel things to get the like stone, beats those, and she gets it. But when she leaves, Enchantress is gone, nowhere to be found. So who knows what happened? <laughs> who knows what happens there? Where she went off to? Because Carol almost died. I will say that like this book was a lot of fun and really cool to see Carol punch some stuff here, but I need to see her like I really want I really want her to get back to like mission based stuff versus things that are just happening around her and her being thrown into situations. If that Oh yeah, I understand that. Oh I understand that. I kind of want like, her, her to be taking the like mission stuff instead of her yeah. being thrown stuff and having to fix it. Yeah, and just kind of being dragged along. Yeah. I get it. What would you rate it? At least here, though, she's got authority and like she's the one making her own choices and speaking up. I can't say too much about everybody else, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping that this magic arc like takes it somewhere. Enchantress is probably gonna double cross her, and that's. It'll be interesting sure. to see. You know, Kelly's doing a lot of things that I like with characters that I like, but she's putting them in the Carol book, and it's just very strange to me because it's... I'm not going to read that. <laughs> it's a great but like, book. Enchantress in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. What what a what a what part of that sentence doesn't sound like something I'd want to read about? Captain hey, Marvel. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I can't do it. What would you rate this? <laughs> give this book a solid three. I do want it to start to punch up a little bit, but I think that's probably going to come within the next few issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw some stuff that's going to be coming up afterwards for her where she's going to have someone to actually really like fight. It looks like her dark self. There's another version of that out there, something like that. She gets a lot of those, doesn't she? Everybody want to be the girl. Everybody want to recreate Carol's powers. That's what it is. So, hey, bro. <laughs> I mean, um, what uh, would you rate this issue? Oh, uh, wait, no, you just said a three out of five. Three out yeah, I give it. Yeah, I give it a five. Yeah. Okay. Um, up next is Robin number three, written by Joshua Williamson, with art by uh, Gleb uh, Melkinov. And I have to say, wow. Still, okay. Still very yeah. You know, I have still been very much team cosmic, very much team superpowers. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it's always my thing. But I'm not going to lie, sometimes when the street level characters can kind of give. And this this book was kind of kind of giving for sure. Um, we get in the beginning with Robin going off and seeing all of the other people on the island mingling with each other. They're playing that game where they stab between their fingers, which I've always thought was stupid. Uh, oh, I used to try and do that when I was a kid. Why would you try to do that? But I used to I used to do it with like a pen. I'd be That's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I used to, it was like we used to it was me and like a group of my friends we would like get pens and we just play it's so fun maybe it's Thank a street you. level thing I don't it's know. a street level thing <laughs> <laughs> I would try to make this, the pen move <laughs> let's do that or you're, like blast testing, the- you're like testing your reflexes and your speed and then like if you do accidentally hit your finger like can you keep going are you going to be able to work through the pain it's endurance no <laughs> no Blast it with some energy or make it move. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is really this is really fun seeing all them kind of come back together. Then we get some really fun pages of your boy, a Connor mm-hmm. Hawk, who I will say, in my opinion, does he have a cool name or does he need one? It used to be Green Arrow. Um, he was Green Arrow, so. Well, he needs. I think, they've, I think they've just been calling him Hawk. Okay. Since he's come back, like that's his thing. Um, yeah, it was great to see him. Yeah. How did you feel about the moment between the two of them that they kind of shared about their dads being uh, superheroes and kind of very similar? Yeah, I actually thought it was really nice. Um, and I love that they kind of brought up the similarities of Green Arrow and Batman. I don't know if you're like familiar with them, but they've always had a bit of a feud in comics. Mm-hmm. And like um, a lot of it came back to stem from identity crisis when they like wiped Batman's mind. I'll never forget there was an issue of Green Arrow where Bruce was even saying to him, he was like, you know, you've always seemed to have an issue with me and I've never like thought about you <laughs> for, real, for real. He's like, it seems like whatever your problem is, it's like something on your end. And it's just always been cool. So it's also nice to remember how similar they actually are. Um, and I like that Damien is getting more friends. I don't know if when I've said about action comics, how his relationship with Damien is really nice. I like that he's building a similar relationship with Connor. Although I don't necessarily know if I like that Connor's been a little bit de-aged, I guess. Oh, is he supposed to be older? I don't know anything about Connor Hawk. He he was basically always kind of Oliver's adult son. Oh, okay. Um, 
or if if not an adult, he was always around like that Kyle Rayner age. Okay, so like that uh, early twenties. Yeah, um, I feel like he's a little bit younger here. I'd give him maybe like eighteen, nineteen, maybe. Hmm. Um, he was given seventeen in this. <laughs> I was trying to be generous here. <laughs> um, but so yeah, that's uh, that's a but yeah, great showing. Love the art. Love the way it moves. Loved him beating Robin. I feel like they're gonna have. I feel like uh, Williamson is obviously taking them down the route of they're gonna work together to bring down the League of Shadows at some point. So, but that I, I, I didn't think that he was gonna win. No shade towards your boy, but I didn't. I don't. I guess I'm learning now that like he is like Connor Hawk is like Connor Hawk is like that guy. He's like fought Lady Shiva. And oh. Yeah, he he has like a lot of training, and she's even said she's like, oh yeah, you're, I mean she beat him, but she was like, oh yeah, you're that boy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've I just assumed that Damien was gonna win, but I like that uh <laughs> Connor was like, no, no I got this. Um, so that's a, I loved it. I love all the kind of like side characters that he's bringing in that are also on the island and some of the faces that we've seen. I like Ravager in this kind of trying to take Damien through the motions and help him. It's good. I'm here for it. Yeah. What would you rate it? 3.5. Same. Definitely give it a 3.5 out of 5. Here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next is Action Comics number 1032. And who was the creative team on this? Um, it's Philip uh, J. Kennedy okay. and Daniel Samperi. And tell us about it. Action Comics is the book to watch. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, it's, it's, I've been it's seeing so, some great things about it. You've been saying great things about it. Like, first of all, the art is amazing. Daniel Samperi, I keep saying it just to remind people, he is the guy who did the Future State Aquaman issues. And just beautiful pages throughout so superman and then found a ship full of kryptonians or that were sent by mongol to earth and so here we kind of meet them or one of the women and she like has chains on her and superman's trying to take them off and she's like no leave my chains on because as soon as they come off like he's gonna know or something like that plus she doesn't really trust him that much um but a few issues ago they found this crystal in one of the ships and the atlanteans took it for themselves and so the they think it was a power source and so they're doing research on it and it activates this giant monster and then all these monsters start coming out of nowhere and so you've got like the atlanteans fighting them and then superman comes to meet them he eventually finds a way to destroy it and saves the day of course but now we've still just got the stuff going on like what is this crystal about what is mongol doing with these kryptonians he I, there's actually this really fun scene in the issue where he goes to find uh batman and batman's like in the middle of uh getting some enemies he's punching through windows and stuff in a car chase and he's like i don't need your help and superman's like i actually came here to ask you for your help and so while batman's doing all this superman's just sitting there floating <laughs> <laughs> I, I always i love moments like that where superman comes in like Batman's like struggling to beat somebody up yeah. and Superman's just like, please, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, like not even roof. worried about whatever's going on. He's like on the roof of this car, swerving back and forth, and Superman's just like, so I'm asking you for your help. And so Batman's like, oh, is it about your Kryptonian refugees? And Superman's like, I never told you about that. And Batman's like, I don't need you to tell me about it. <laughs> and he was like, just know that I know. And I was like, this is the Batman I love. I was like, you is got this- respected. Is this gonna be the start of me reading a Superman book? I'm I do. I I like 
despise Superman. I'm sorry. Like, like, don't like him at all. Kryptonians to me are so like, you know, I love space and all that stuff, but Kryptonians to me, they don't even do that whole level out thing that I like about going to space when you are powerful, because even out there, they're like, <laughs> just keep getting more powerful. Yeah. Uh, no, this is, I, I'm not going to lie to you, LZ. I think I'm pitching <laughs> my way into the Superman fandom. <laughs> oh, snap. Is that good? Okay. It's like between this, what he's actually doing, he's also writing the main Superman book, which has John taking over the role of Superman. Um, and then he also, the Superman and the Authority book that's slated to come out. Mm. It's it's just all coming up Clark Kent for me. Mm. I don't I don't I don't know what the and it's and it's good. Huh. It's good. The Kents are doing it. There's also the the threat of John knowing something happens in the future that causes Superman to die or disappear. We also know that like Superman's powers are fading and he doesn't know what's going on with that, but he's still pushing through. It's like it's good stuff and it looks good. Mm. I would rate this a four out of five. Wow. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, I'm I'm into this story. And it, I don't think I've said, I've said this to you. I think he would be great on the Fantastic Four, the guy who writes this book. Because really? the family, the family dynamic he shows between Clark, Lois, Kara, and John. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like some liberties, of course, but it's Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Ben. Not uh-huh. Johnny and Ben, maybe like Valeria and Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Which is better for me, because, like, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> like um, but, like, huh. stuff they're talking about, like, the kind of uh, dynamics they have going on, the sci-fi element of it, they're going Ooh, to space sometimes. Hidden. You know, I think I you that. really enjoy it. All right. I think I mean, anybody, If anybody else is reading this book, definitely let me know. <laughs> if not, it sounds like something that uh, other sci-fi fans were like. What would you read this a four out of five? Four out of five, for sure. I mean, that's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably check it out. Maybe once it hits uh, Infinite, DC Infinite. It's like in a year. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do take a while. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next is Justice League number 63. And uh, uh, I'm surprised you are still on this. It's literally the Justice League Dark Backup. Oh, I'm so upset yeah. because I really want DC to make it its own book again. This Justice League book is not good. it's actually kind of upsetting me (laughs) right now and the Bendis speak is horrible and at this point Marquez David Marquez is on the art and he's obviously carrying it but even so his art's kind of getting to a point it's like he's just giving me these giant spreads of nothing happening and it's kind of getting a little tired it's like I want something to happen in this book I hate the way Bendis writes Black Canary. I hate the way he writes Aquaman. I honestly don't mind the way that he writes Superman. That's probably the most enjoyable character in this book. Um, But I also kind of, in my opinion, I don't think it should be hard to write Superman. I don't think writing a kind of optimistic, hopeful character should be that difficult. But I don't read a lot of Superman books, so I could be wrong. There's a different way to do that. But I just don't enjoy anything about it. And... I really want to drop it. But there's a backup (laughs) (laughs) that has a lot of characters I love doing stuff that I actually find interesting written by someone who I really like. Now, how is that then? Tell us about that. That's fantastic. They're going through the mystery. It's just, um, 
I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about how upset I am about this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're basically they're just still on track to find this book and stop Merlin. And there's this other uh, woman Wait, who's kind of before you go back before you go into that. Have they figured out Naomi's powers yet? Oh no, we also still don't know Naomi's powers. We hear and the characters actually say like, "Oh, you're so powerful. You're a nuke. We're gonna help you get the powers under control." We don't know what the powers are. We see her do something. She like knocks Superman back, and she um that like she she freaks out. Like there's <laughs> so she's just powerful. It's just she's just she's a Omega warhead power or something like it. She's powerful. <laughs> I don't I don't know what she does though. She's powerful. Like the but okay. like it's real it's really frustrating at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to pull over there then. Let's let's pull back into the into just sleep um, dark. They're just trying to stop Merlin. He's trying to do some bad stuff. And there's this uh warrior from the past. She's kind of come to our time. She's got this holy sword. Demons are trying to take her out. She's knocking them back. Zatanna's great, Ragman's great. Um, I could kind of do without Constantine, but he's fine. It's, the backup's great. And the backup has given you more in its eight pages than the main book has given you in the entirety of its, what, last three issues. That's upsetting. I really need them to separate these two. <laughs> I wonder why, I wonder if they were afraid of sales of the Justice League Dark and... Or for Justice League, to be honest. Because that book has gotten rebooted a lot. Yeah. And relaunched quite a few times. It's just it's just not. I, I, I don't really feel like there's been like a really good Justice League run in a while. I think uh, Scott Snyder's was kind of trying to get there. But mm-hmm. I feel like he went a little too off the rails. And he was given like 6,000 words per page. And it was like... Nah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When this has to look like a shorter read, I'm like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. Uh, so what would you what would you rate the Justice League and what would you rate the backup? I would rate the the Justice League a 1.5 and that entire 1.5 comes from Marquez's art. Ooh. Um, the backup I would give a four out of five. Sam, Randy <laughs> carrying the book. <laughs> Literally carrying. I don't know why they just don't put him on the main title. Now that would be great. He deserves. That would be a good Justice League, too. He deserves. Mm-hmm. All right, up next is Mr. Miracle and the Source of Freedom, number two. This is your boy, so tell us all about it. Um, So this is Brandon Easton, and this was actually, so I, I don't remember if I told you, the first issue I was kind of iffy on. It was mm-hmm. like, some of the stuff was a pretty heavy-handed. This one is a lot better, and I think I'm fully in for the ride. Um, Mr. Miracle, I think it takes place on a different universe. Mm-hmm different earth i'm not sure if our mr miracle is like the dc prime miracle or the villain of the story who i told you was the child of barda and mr miracle the antagonist i won't say villain yet um it's actually a girl her name is uh never free and she's like saying that shiloh is stolen mr miracle's name and all this stuff and they get into this huge fight where his mask gets exposed and the public discovers that he's a black guy and so all of a sudden they're all about that you start seeing news people talking to the public and they're like you know what's wrong with him being black or it's like oh i don't care that he's black but why was he hiding it like what's going on what's he doing some stuff like that um but they talk about how 
the new god tech that he has in his suit, it's looking for Scott Free and Barda, and they're like, we have no signs of that, but we detect that this person is from a different Earth or a different universe. And so it's like, I'm not sure which one's supposed to be the prime, because again, in that Mr. Miracle series, Barda did get pregnant. So what's the connection there? But mm. it's really interesting. The art was really nice. The colors look good. It's got a lot of action. The mystery of where the child's coming from and how that's working is pretty interesting. The political and racial stuff wasn't as heavy handed as it was the first time. So that worked out a lot. I'm into it. Okay. Well, we rate this. I'll go to three out of five. Okay. For that's sure. solid. Yeah, for sure. Solid book. That's really solid. Check that one next off for some Mr. Miracle action. All right. Up next is Infinite Frontier number one by Joshua Williamson with art by Zermanico and colors by Ramulo of Fajardo Jr. And I was kind of into this. Oh my God, same. You know, I, w- yeah. I didn't think I was going to be. And there were some moments of it where I was like, okay, this is getting a little too big for me. Um, because, <laughs> because, you know, I like, like I just said, like I'm a big cosmic person and, you know, I love space and all that stuff. But like the level above that is when you start to get like multiverse and like, mm-hmm kind of like conceptual stuff and then i'm like wait what (laughs) (laughs) what's going on but i actually was kind of into this um so i'm assuming that this is the book that's going to have this team that's kind of been watching the any kind of multiverse earth like actions or any kind of those kind of uh crisis and they have all been kind of on the outskirts of it and protecting it so this book opens with a batman falling to a earth and the earth is a uh, calvin harris we're well, not calvin harris <laughs> um <laughs> calvin, uh, calvin ellis right president president superman yes president superman um <laughs> and his earth <laughs> in front of his parents and uh this is like a black superman mm-hmm. um and he is like the president of this justice league and uh, we, then we uh, get some scenes of the Green Lantern from, I forget what Earth he's actually from, but this is the Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and his son, uh, Obsidian. King I, I was in this for, I'm in this for Jade, <laughs> but I guess <laughs> like, from the story that's going on, Obsidian and uh, Green Lantern are kind of talking with each other, Jade didn't show up for something. I guess she might be upset at somebody for whatever. I don't know what's going on there. Um, and I guess the both of them, Obsidian and uh, Alan Scott, are a part of this team that is this Justice League that protects people. Um, have, you, have, pre- you been, have you been reading the one-shots? No. Okay, so did you? apparently there are one-shots that, like, highlight each one of these characters. It's been, like, Obsidian, Alan Scott, uh, President Superman. Oh. And it's, like, talking about all of this leading up to whatever this is the bit. I had no idea what this was about. Someone actually was, like, tweeting me, and they were like, oh, yeah, there are all these one-shots you can get that are available in Comixology and stuff that are telling the stories of these people and how they're, like, coming back into continuity. Because um, Roy is also one of the characters as well. Yeah, so we end up seeing Roy in this book, right? Like, and he um, ultimately becomes a, a Black Lantern. Yeah, that was, which is like, <laughs> I guess. That's <laughs> <I guess>, right. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. Um, it's weird. I've actually always kind of liked Roy as a character. 
he was like one of my favorite Titans. But ever since the reboots, it's just I, I can't I can't get into him anymore. They've they've okay. done they've they've done some things and that it's like fine I guess for what the character he is. I'm just not into it. What are you? What's what's bad about him now? I don't even know too much about Roy other than that he used to do drugs as a kid. They changed it to alcohol. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they took away he wasn't. It, he used to be in the original continuity. He was a coke addict, addicted mm-hmm. to cocaine. Um, but when the re, was it rebirth or new fifty two? I want to say it was rebirth. Um, they had it so he was a recovering alcoholic. Oh, I kind of like the cocaine. I did too. I don't yeah. know. That is made more like less common, I guess. I feel like we've I feel like we've had a lot of stories where there have been like the hero was an alcoholic and they kind of recovered from it. This was like a different one. Yeah. Um, and I remember that it was such a big shocking thing. I think it was heroin because I'm pretty sure I remember the cover of him like injecting something into With his the arm. needle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess you might want to change that. <laughs> and I remember like Green Arrow and uh, who, else, who else walked in on him? It was Green Arrow. He wasn't with someone else? I thought that. Uh, I, I thought it was called. I mean, I feel like everyone knew. Right. But... <laughs> Damn. Yeah, okay. Maybe they should have changed it from heroin to cocaine. To cocaine, yeah. Yeah, because I think that the drug ad- the addiction story was interesting for him and made him whatever. But yeah, I thought this was interesting. Um, I guess the Flash is like the one who can travel. He can vibrate his energy and run at the same time. Like too overpowered. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. That's when I was reading this and I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, this is too much for me now. It's like Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna see where this kind of goes. And it's interesting to see that they have this book basically for the characters who don't ever fit in anywhere and they all yeah. come from universes and how they kind of will integrate them into the multiverse and how the multiverse yeah. is a known thing. And how people have to like deal with that now that everybody knows mm. that's a, is that a yeah. which I also like. Superman even made a comment about that in this week's Justice League when they were talking about something. He's like, well, there's like 52 Earths, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what would you rate that? I'd give it a three out of five. It was solid. I honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know if I'm gonna stick with it. I kind of want to for Obsidian, but you know me and like alternate realities and time travel and like that. Yeah, that's what's taking me out of it too. I want to stick and with then the, Jade, but and then the Flash. I'm just not a fan of the Flash at all. Once you get that vibrating thing, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? We'll see though. I'll probably pick up the second issue for sure, and depending on how I feel about that. We'll see where I go. Okay. Um, I would give it a solid three, two. I'm going to stick with it and see at least, like, probably till issue five, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Indeed. Don't hold me to that. Let me, let me not say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Never that's mind. long. Okay. Never mind. Um, up next is Heroes Return number one. And um, this is by Jason Aaron. And uh, the heroes are back. The heroes are back. So at the end of the last issue of Heroes Reborn number seven, the Avengers and uh, Squadron Supreme were about to face off. So this entire issue is just a big fight. 
Mm. It's literally just the Avengers fighting the Squadron Supreme and going back and forth. Carol Danvers has a moment because, you know, her mind's been changed in this new uh, reality, but she sees, like, Captain America, and she's like, wait, why is the Squadron fighting Captain America? Like, that's the guy who saved all of us. And so Coulson has his little pandemonium cube from Mephisto. He tries to do something to Captain America, and she shoots some missiles at him. Mm-hmm. So to stop him, and they're like, Danvers, you just hit the president. And she's like, oh, no, that's so sad. Sorry he was beating up on the guy who's literally wearing the flag. Uh, <laughs> so it was like a nice little moment for her. All right, I know, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have, like, Blades fighting Nighthawk, and uh, Power Princess is fighting the Starbrand baby who's like grown up a little bit, which is like, okay. she's actually, she's like fun. I, I usually don't like kids, but I don't know. It's something about like a very smart or hyper aware baby, the toddler characters that I'm really into. <laughs> and like, she's very rude. She grew up in this universe with Rocket and Groot. So she's like cussing and all this stuff. And she's like going off. Um, big fun fight. Then of course the Avengers win. Um, Mephisto kind of abandons Coulson and like the pandemonium cube no longer works. The world turns back. The star brand baby is still like a superpowered toddler. So they yeah. have to do that. Uh, and then we find out that the squadron is also now in the main earth. None of the Avengers remember anything. The only one who does is Blade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they make so everyone's just back to their where they were. Yeah, he, he makes a comment that he has like a monologue moment. He says everybody just feels like they went to sleep. Oh. He was like, yeah, like even Captain America says it because they're like looking at the Starbrand kid and they're like, how did she get so big? And Captain America says, he's like, I definitely put her to sleep last night and she was still a baby. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, for them, it was just like they just woke up and all this had happened. So Blade didn't even tell them. He's like, I don't know if I will tell them. But the Squadron Supreme is around now. And hmm. now we're going back to the regular Avengers stories and I'm going to drop the book because the next one's about She-Hulk getting kidnapped by the red room and getting turned into like this big giant monster thing i don't like the way jason aaron writes she hulk so heroes reborn was great though <laughs> okay you heroes had fun with that i had a lot of fun with it heroes return also was very amazing it was a lot of fun again it's just a giant fight scene it's like this is what you expect from an end game type of film situation in a comic book right. um so it was fun for that big action fight yeah, but now I'm back to being like the Avengers have returned, so have I, and I am back to my senses and I will not be buying this book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate uh, that? I'll read it 3.5 out of 5. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. Fun. Well, pick up that, y'all, if y'all are interested in uh, the heroes fighting the Squadron Supreme and, and the Avengers going forward. Uh, definitely check that out if you're into it. Up next is Gamma Flight number one, and um, I did not check this out because I'm not. Oh my gonna... gosh! You actually should check this out. You will love yep. it. So this is a spinoff series from uh, Immortal Hulk. Obviously, Al Ewing writes it, um, and there was a team of Gamma. Oh, I didn't know Ewing was writing it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. he's um, also co-writing with someone. Hold on, I look up their name, but the. Gamma Flight team is made up of Titania, Crusher Creel, Puck, uh, uh, Dr. Charlene McGowan, and Sasquatch, Dr. Samson. And so basically they were used in the beginning by the original Alpha Flight team to find the Hulk. 
like looking for him due to his gamma radiation. And so then they start now their whole thing is that they're looking for gamma mutated heroes. That's what they were kind of doing. But obviously they're like, we're not going to Titania even makes a comment, her and Crusher Crew, they're like, we're not going to hand people over to the police. Like, are you mm-hmm. stupid? <laughs> um, and so they make the decision that instead of capturing them to turn them over, they're going to capture them to help them. Okay. And, um, but I say that you will really like this because knowing that you like Titania and Creel yes. and that relationship, they have so many good moments in this issue. Like Did you he, see what I mean about their relationship? How they like they, ride for each other? <laughs> they ride for each other. Like, and it is so cute to see. Like, they're super fun. Um, when they actually go to find one of the gamma mutated people, they are like tr- not trying to beat up the cops because got uh, Sasquatch is like, don't do anything to them, leave them alone. And Krill's like, well, they're cops. So <laughs> he's like, I only be what's so nice. And then a couple of them shoot at them. And Titania's like, why are y'all shooting at us? We're not doing anything out here. She's like, okay, now I'm going to show you what a public menace is. And so she like goes, starts attacking right, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was just, it was just a really super fun issue. I would give it a, I would give it a 3.5 out of five. Okay. Um, a lot of the characters are fun. The Dr. Charlene McGowan, she's a trans character. So it's always nice to see oh, that. Yeah, she, was in the, uh, she was in the DC Pride issue. She was in the DC Pride issue. Why can I not find this book in my recently read? Gamefly. Oh, okay, there it is. Gamefly, number one. Um, great book, but yeah, you should definitely pick it up. I think you'll love it. You love Titania. I love Titania now after this. Crystal Frazier also writes it with him, and Lam Medina does the art. Got it. Okay. Shout out to them. Maybe I will check this out, because I do like Titania. She's a lot of fun. I don't know how I feel about that MCU casting. Yeah. I don't, I don't, know I don't think I like that. <laughs> but We'll see how that goes. But we'll see how that We'll have to talk about that as it gets closer. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't think I like that one at all. Okay. <laughs> um, up next is... Guardians of the Galaxy number 15. Now this... Excellent comic. This I like. <laughs> I just realized I got a lot of Al Ewing this week. Yeah. That's what I... No wonder this was a good week. The Master of Space. Let's talk about it because... Um, mm-hmm. Wow. What does it feel like to be a cosmic fan right now? It feels fantastic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It feels fantastic. Guard, this Guardians book has been consistently one of my favorite books. It's easily in my top three of my pull uh, now. Between Guardians of the Galaxy, Sword, and X-Men, my top three books at Marvel. Okay. Okay. That's a good list. I, I agree that Guardians is amazing, and it has been consistently amazing. Um I wish they would have kind of let the people know that this was almost a X of Swords. I mean, not X of Swords. <laughs> a Hellfire Gala tie-in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but which is a nice surprise. But again, yeah. it's also reminding me that I don't like Nova. Like, at all. Oh, he can go. But, like, you know, as, going- as we saw in this book, Magneto let him know that you can go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I was going back and reading a lot of New Warrior stuff, and so I was, like, meeting Richard Ryder for the first time. And I was just like, yeah, I do not like this character at all. Mm-hmm. 
He yeah. is just, and so the way he show out, but give it up for Star-Lord. He is so supportive of mutants and their culture and the people, and we love that. And I'm actually really excited for Ewing to get to whatever story he's telling with him. I know we got a little hint of it today when we had the little scene with his eye glowing and him yeah. looking all these, like something's coming to be continued. I'm like, yes, and give me that legendary Star-Lord content. Antlers things. Um, so yeah, this Guardians issue was really great. If something's going on with Mogo, it was like covered up in this like black shell basically, and there's a, a bunch of planets on the outer rim which came together. I absolutely loved the way that um, <laughs> that uh, Rocket kind of explained that everything isn't equated to like <laughs> the way of Earth <laughs> everything. <laughs> like, because they were like, oh, you know, is it just like the European Union, how it's a bunch of countries or whatever? And they were like, Everything isn't just like <laughs> something that yeah. happens on Earth. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, then we get some the action on Sword, Richard Ryder, and Star-Lord are coming in to have a meeting with Sword, uh, which we actually end up getting in the Sword issue, uh, mm-hmm. what happened at this, at this meeting. But before that, Magneto and Nova meet up with each other. Nova goes off because he feels a way about working with villains because he just is on a team with doom and he's had to do other stuff with villains you know super scroll is the rep yeah. basically the the ambassador for the kree mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah empire so yeah. he feels away and magneto was like i don't care if you feel away so <laughs> if you're you gonna do about it what you gonna do about it and they started fighting um magneto instantly threw a car at him and mm-hmm. Very nice. Nova, Nova tried to break it up, but <laughs> that didn't work because Magneto just crushed them back into pieces. And <laughs> <laughs> that much I appreciated. And honestly, that was just an excuse to have this book have a little bit of action in it, you know, because I appreciate. it would have just been talking. I did actually appreciate the conversation they had afterwards with Nova talking about him being an ass and yeah. Magneto showing the, the aspect where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. This book is fantastic. Um, four out of five for me. Four easily. out of five for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that E-Wing magic. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. He hasn't let me down yet. It's really great. I don't great. think he ever will. Guardians of the Galaxy is it. Um, up next is Wolverine number 13. Now, this was a Hellfire Gala issue, and this was written by uh, Benjamin Percy and art by Scott Eaton. And... Uh, I mean, I came back onto this book because it was mm-hmm. a Hellfire Gala issue, mm-hmm. and I will say that it was still just okay for me. Yeah. I didn't really, I I didn't really care too much. Um, I mean, it's always nice to see Beast get his ass handed to him, I guess. Sage slapping him was a moment. It's true. Uh, this book opens with the people who were kind of being taken over by those telephoronics before, and they're been turned into these creatures and attacking mm-hmm. people at the party and X-Force basically has to keep it under control. Beast is like trying to make sure no one finds out about it and he's attacking these people. Uh, Quentin Choir uh, telepathically erases mind so no one is seeing what's going on and Wolverine is fighting one. Sage ends up bucking up and it's like, you know, I will finally take care of this and ends up, you know, slapping Beast because he thinks that she was behind all of this <laughs> against him, basically, because what kind of arrogance he has, but <laughs> the most. Um, um, and, yeah, it was a solid issue. 
but like I don't need to I I didn't need to stick here. <laughs> I can I can I can respect that. And I agree with that as well. Um I will say that Beast is probably like one of the most interesting characters on the X line right now. Yeah. Well he carries this book. Yeah, he does. Shout out to him. <laughs> I mean I, think I like Beast. <laughs> you like someone that's gonna shake the table. I like I like Beast a little bit. He's cool, you know, he's just He's cool. He's, I'm into he's it. Up a little bit, and I mean, he's really been the one that's been exciting and kind of carrying the book, mm-hmm. um, especially since it's, like Jean left. Yeah. Um. I also love that Sage slapping Beast was the moment it was because you know there there's that whole secret history of her being uh, a part of the O5. And oh yeah. Out the team so it's like I always kind of love when she has a moment with them and like it feels like retribution yeah yeah I guess I was just wish I was more interested in her <laughs> so she, she gets the job done she's fine although we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to that book um but what would you rate this I'd give it a three out of five the art was all right um I wish there was sometimes a little bit more details on stuff but it was okay um yeah okay so I think I what about you same three out of five for sure yeah um now this next book we're gonna talk about is this is the book of the week this now the book of the week. <laughs> sword number six written by al ewing and um wow Wow. Art what a by, moment. By, art by Valerio Schitti and What a moment. What a, what a moment. moment indeed. You know, <laughs> sometimes I just like to sit back mm-hmm. and back at the greatness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a very good cosmic story. Mm-hmm. And Ewing is giving it to me <laughs> in this book. Like, wow. Um, you know, from the beginning when sword first got like launched i was super excited for this book and really into it and it shot up instantly into becoming one of my favorites and again it has not like faltered at all this one uh we open with it's right after the fireworks as everyone is calling them basically when the mutants have terraformed mars and we get a conversation between captain america and dr doom and captain america basically says that he has no he under completely understands this like this is like the next step for people he does wish that whatever was going to be the next step that we would have all gotten there together so like even it felt if, very in character for cap yeah it felt very in character for him like it wasn't like he was against whatever the mutants were getting ready to do it just wished that everybody was a part of it yeah um which i thought was very interesting uh, then we get the whole uh, Galactic Council, and they're having a meeting with Sword and Abigail Brand, and she's breaking down to them, so excited about how they just terraformed this planet and everything, mm-hmm. and the rest of the council is like, that's nothing. It's <laughs> like Baca said, everything in that Earth matters. Like we don't care. <laughs> Truly, do not care. <laughs> the best part of that was uh, the breakdown later when someone was like, I forget which character said it, but they were like. Um, you expected us to get excited about you guys terraforming a small planet 
in your own like star system <laughs> only and only one of them okay. okay that's nothing um yeah i love this book great stuff i'm really excited to see all the implications and stuff going forward here we get the mutants or at least uh sword and everything really taking the claim as this is no longer earth now it's soul and mm-hmm. the the prime planet of soul is mars and Araco, and we are an entire government you don't speak to certain people for earth it's all there's a soul mm-hmm. now and they gave them the mysterium which we kind of saw was this metal that we saw the six go out and get in the mm-hmm. beginning run and i remember people kind of wondering like what even is this stuff that they were going to get now we know that it was this really uh, hard metal that's like second to adamantium and mm-hmm. you know uh but now it's out being used as currency there have been a lot of wars out in space and uh-huh. <laughs> the snark war and there was a just an annihilation wave recently so a lot of economies out there are all broken and people are broke so king and black king and black (laughs) which lasted for all of a year (laughs) um a lot of those uh, economies out there are broken and the mutants are now able to use this mysterium as like leverage to Mm -hmm. uh basically make a claim now that this is theirs and doom comes in and asks who is the person that speaks for soul and who other than you know her name (laughs) <laughs> you know who you know her name she who swam with the akanti what what well that was a moment a moment, that now, was listen, a for sure moment. i have not been shy about my issues with storm on this podcast you don't all. like her you keep saying that and that is not <laughs> true <laughs> i like storm i can't relate to storm because i do so i do think she's perfect like that makes her a little unrelatable for me but like i've always liked storm and like want her to do something and like have a place because she's more than just like wallpaper you respect storm yeah she's the girl she's that girl <laughs> anyway <laughs> the best place for her to go is space yeah like she's entirely too pow- i think that was probably my issue with her anyway like she's too powerful to be on oh. earth yeah Who's like, she gonna fight? <laughs> exactly. Who Who's is she gonna, gonna fight? So making this her a good, this is a good moment. Yeah. And I definitely to like one of my favorite uh, cosmic stories. I don't know if I mentioned it before. Was the Brood Saga, and Storm in the Brood Saga was fantastic. Yeah. She was like I do. that was the whole mention of her like doing the whole cosmic wind stuff and. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was out there being a boss. That's where she like gets to really flex. She ate that. She looks good. <laughs> and, she, and she's gonna be written by Al Ewing. Come on. Cosmic, come on up here. It's time. It's time for you to come on up here into space. Well, this this doesn't really like this is space, but it's like not space because we're still on a planet. Our boots are on the ground. Oh, right, that's what I mean. It's like uh, cosmic adjacent. Okay. We gotta here. fly. No, we still I'm gotta here. fly. <laughs> I'll, I'll use the teleporter. <laughs> I would give this issue a five out of five. Oh, excellent, because that's what I was going to say. I was five out of five. It. There was another part in this book that was fantastic, and that was the moment of Miss Wanda Maximoff showing up. Yeah. 
Um, you know, How? a moment now where Magneto invited her. She missed the party because she said she couldn't face it and she just felt bad or whatever. And they basically are making a definitive point to say that Wanda Maximoff is Magneto's daughter. Now, whether or not she's a mutant, that's up for debate. I mean, I know, and that's the debate because people are saying that she walked through the gate. I mean, I, I thought she—I took it as she teleported in, like magic, whammy, jammy. I didn't even think about her walking through a gate, and I see that there's a gate like behind her, but mm-hmm. because of the nature of the gala, like everybody was walking through gates, and it's Magneto. I guarantee that he could make it where she could. For the night of the gala, since she gave he gave her an invitation, I guarantee he has her on the list for her to be able to walk through. But they were still giving people flowers. Not that I'm going against you. I I have not I have it's no Magneto dog in the, give her like special privileges. I have no dog in the Wanda being a mutant fight. Okay, I just need that to be known. But the people are telling me she walked through a gate. It's supposed to mean something. Personally, I don't need her to be a mutant. I think her story is better, and the House of M ends up being like way more interesting if she's a human, and like the implications that go along with that. I agree with that. Her just being like a mutant there and just being another mutant daughter for him, with her being a human, like I think her being the only human member of the House of M is fantastic. Exactly, exactly. But still, like his daughter, but like the only human member because she's super powerful and he like obviously wants her to be this powerhouse for him and they're in their cause but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day she's like a human i mean whatever gets wicked to krakoa oh oh yeah well i mean if hey if she walking through gates they letting all humans walk through so he can too well wiccan's a mutant so Oh, that's must be new. <laughs> <laughs> Wiccan the mutant. He's been uh, he's he's been a member of the X Men in the future. I guess there's room. We for just lost. We just lost Franklin. <laughs> Franklin is no longer our Omega level reality warper. Guess who's about to show up to Krakoa? Oh, ah, it's coming. There's, I guess there's like room for everybody now. It's, it's a bit, happening. I'm it's sure happening. his man, his man gonna make it happen. If they'll get divorced. <laughs> if he has to pick between Krakoa or being right by his man's side in space, he's staying in space. He's gonna pick Krakoa because that's what his mom is. But his man said he gotta go to space, so he loved he, he loved his mama more than he loved his man. I don't know. It's gonna be the divorce. It's gonna be the divorce of the century. <laughs> Get ready. Get those ready. Vows, those vows look like he ain't going nowhere. Get ready. Um. All right. Up next, and the last book of the week is Wave X number three, and uh, this book was written by a Cy Spurrier, Simon Spurrier, and art by Bob Quinn, and I think that this book is good and it asks it's all right and it asks it asks questions that i think are important and people are probably interested in but it's just not i don't think it's for me i can understand that i think i think simon Spurrier has a very distinct writing style and i think you're either going to love it or you're not 
I've personally been a fan of him for a very long time. I really loved his X-Force run. I loved um, the his stuff he did with X-Men Legacy when he was writing Legion. But I feel like a lot of the characters, even though they sound different, they also sound the same. Like, you can tell it's a Simon Spurrier written character. I remember someone used to say that they feel like every character has an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's very interesting, though. Again, I'm a fan of it. But I understand that you're either going to be into it or you're really not. I think that the questions that you said, like it brings up, are super interesting. I love all the characters that are involved. I love the relationship of seeing Nightcrawler with Stacey X again. I do think it brings some questions to Krakoa and the council and just how kind of how much they're paying attention to. I understand that the island has a lot going on with terraforming planets. They're like hiding secrets, sending Mystique to her death. But <laughs> how, like, to not have any mention or Nightcrawler to have any knowledge of like random babies popping up on the island or like people leaving these kids around um no one's brought that up no one's really spoken about that stacy x is running her little broth excuse me her not brothel um <laughs> and who is kind of overseeing buildings and like these businesses because we know like blob also has his bar who is overseeing these businesses that are seem to be popping up in Krakoa and like what people are doing and when is the council I guess going to actually get more involved with the people on the island Mm -hmm. because things just kind of seem to be happening and it's like oh nobody's knowing about that it also brings into questions for me personally just about mutants and babies in general we've always kind of seen mutants gain their powers or their x-gene activate in adolescence when they hit puberty around the teenage years some have gotten later we've only gotten a few a handful that have had active mutant genes as babies so to see all of these babies who have active genes, it's like, does that, has the way mutants come about, has it changed? Like, is the X gene present at birth now? Are we just now waiting to see what abilities people will develop? Are we, it, it's a lot of questions I have. Mm. Good one that I hope you get answered, but. That definitely does open a lot of questions. Um yeah, I th- I feel like this, like I said, this book asks a bunch of different questions that are interesting, especially when it comes to sex and uh, like the babies and stuff there, um, and religion. I I mean the whole Loa and Mercury like thing. I don't mm-hmm. even know why that was even like a relationship to begin with. It felt kind of random, like it kind of popped up. I don't know if they had anything before this. No, she would Mercury had like a little thing with Bling. Right, that's I remember um, that. And now she's with I, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I look at it as their young adults. They going back and forth between each other. Whatever. Right. I mean, I mean, and the moment that they had in this book was to like facilitate them getting to know each other and like apologize or whatever for what Loa did to Mercury. Yeah. But like by the end of it all, they just find out they weren't. Yeah, I think, I think Pixie made a good point. She was like they were getting kind of too fast, too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they were getting to know each other, and I think the influence of the Patchwork Man was also bringing a lot of negative thoughts about and influencing them and what they were talking about and how they were going. So when they got to the end of it all, it was kind of just like, whoa, this was a really bad experience. I'm good. Yeah. I was Yeah. Enjoying. It was whatever to me. I thought that they were like, it was pretty much just a a means to an end. Legion really just wanted to get like the patchwork man out, basically. Yeah. Um, and it worked. It didn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, what would you rate this book? 
I would also, I would rate this a 3.5 out of 5. I only give it so long. I, th- I think the art, again, Bob Quinn, it's fine. It's serviceable. I don't think it's super exciting or dynamic. I also wish that a lot of the background characters he uses, I wish they would be a little bit more familiar faces. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more random DRZ listers, just because it's always fun to see them on the island. Uh, and it also gives the feel of familiarity with Krakoa as opposed mm-hmm. to just seeing a bunch of random faces who we're probably never going to see again. I do think that the one punching Fabian Cortez, she is supposed to be a mutant named Punch-Out who existed before. Someone actually reminded me of her. I and know that. I didn't know it either. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was just like drawing Frenzy in one of her old Acolyte outfits. <laughs> Um, but they were like, no, there was one other woman. Her name was Punch Out. She appeared like twice in the 90s. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I think that was supposed to be her. So I'm like, okay, that was nice. And I would like to see more of that. So, yeah. But that's the only reason that I give it that score. 3.5 for sure. I am enjoying this book. I would give it a 2.5 out of 5. I'm not really enjoying this book. And I don't think the art is that great. Um, I'm going to drop it from here. <laughs> That's crazy. You don't like Dr. Nemesis? He's funny. He's I like amazing. the science Why He should replace Sinister. When Sinister goes into the pit, Nemesis, <laughs> Nemesis should get his spot. Because mm. he told you he could do all the same things. He could make some babies if you want them. Mm. He's here. I see he's going to be with Dazzler, too. How do you like that? That was cute. I really enjoyed that. Because I kind of figured that's why he was being so mean to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, I also like how even though Stacy kind of like helped the feelings come about or like emerge, she even said earlier she was like, I can't make people feel what they don't want to. Right, right. It's like True. it's already in there. That was cute. Yeah, I'm gonna still drop the book. All right, so um, <laughs> let's take <laughs> let's take a break and then we will come right back. All right. <laughs> all right guys welcome back to another panel and today's panel topic is going to be x-men cartoons oh child let's do it <laughs> <laughs> now this actually sparked because i saw some tweets about the x-men movies the fox x-men movies and you know that's kind of like the, those that must not be named around here but <laughs> Um, it just made me think about, you know, I really am excited to finally get another X-Men cartoon. A, for us to finally just have one because it's been so long. And then B, I feel like so many people are still kind of stuck on the 90s X-Men as like the X-Men team. You know, X-Men Evolution was a great cartoon, but obviously it was a huge reimagining of the X-Men. We saw them as teenagers. And then Wolverine and the X-Men was whatever. Wolverine and the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, and tell me if you disagree, but I feel like the 90s cartoon still influences the comic books to this day. And, you know, I think I would have to agree with that. I see what you mean as far as, like, who was important Mm -hmm. on, like, that roster, you know, because uh, I would say prior to the 90s cartoon and, like, then that big, like, 90s comic, the roster of the X-Men was a lot different than... Well, we know, you know, there were like 
it was more expansive. You know, they had the whole Outback team, and it was more, you had, like, the 05 that was in there that kind of started and stuff versus the 90s team, which was um, completely different than, than mm-hmm. any of those. So, um, you know, I do think that that cartoon then, like, kind of really cemented, <laughs> really, because I think the comic came out before the cartoon, but mm-hmm. uh, once that cartoon came out, it really cemented, like, this is who, quote-unquote, the X-Men are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that maybe some other kind of animation could maybe do that for the next iteration <laughs> of the X-Men because I would hate for us to always end up in a cycle of this because, you know, there's one thing Marvel likes to do is that mm-hmm. synergy juice. And mm-hmm. I know that most X-Fans, myself included, have all kind of been wondering whatever they're going to do with the mutants and X-Men in the MCU, and then I'm sure we also all have it in the back of our heads, like, whatever they do in the MCU is probably going to influence whatever they do in the comics. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. will that be the 90s cartoon, again, where we just have, you know, Gene, Cyclops, Storm, Gambit, Fight, Jubilee. Gambit, you know, yeah. And it's like, even you think about, like, the Fox Men movies a little bit, like, that had, Jubilee hasn't really been important in a comic book in forever. But, like, they had Lana, Lana Kandor on that press tour as Jubilee and, like, featurettes doing those They were going to milk that. They were banging, like, people are coming to see Jubilee. And it's like, it just makes me think, like, wow, that truly is because of that cartoon. Because if you read, pick up a comic with Jubilee right now, baby, I don't know what you're going to be doing. Would you be picking up a Excalibur? <laughs> Would I be picking it up? <laughs> or like the people? <laughs> I think I think the better question is, are you picking it up for... Well, no, I was about to say, I think the better question would be, are you picking it up for Jubilee? But honestly, I think a lot of people are picking it up for Jubilee. Because they like know her. Like, as, like you said, she's the X-Men. Mm-hmm. She is the quintessential sidekick also. Um, but if we were to get a new X-Men cartoon, would you be interested in this new cartoon once again showing us the stories that we've already got? Like, do you want to see the Dark Phoenix saga again? Do you want to see it? Um, or do you want to see them kind of do it in new ways? Do you want to see, like, the Brood saga in Ooh. this? Or, okay. <laughs> I love that. Or, or do you just want them to kind of go full force and hit straight to Krakoa? You know, I feel like whatever they do with the an animated show, I would want it to be its own separate thing from the MCU. Okay. Instead of being inspired from the MCU, I would want it to be its own like universe, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, I would want it to be <clears throat> some kind of like amalgamation of what we know and what mm-hmm. we have currently. So I would maybe kind of start it with them kind of being um like in New York up into the whole Krakoa moment that actually happened uh, with the 05 and the, uh, what was that team called? The, uh, the All New All Different? All New All Different, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that team. And then I'd have the school just be placed on Krakoa and then just kind of start everything from there. Mm. And eventually build up to having Krakoa be what we know now. So you oh. would have, I probably would redo the Phoenix Saga because although it was great, and probably what is the 90s cartoon most known for, 
mm-hmm. it, I think it stands to be kind of updated and redone. I personally would love to see that in the animation, like up to day mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that we have now. Um, the fight so you, of of everybody on the moon would be great. That would be really nice to see. But so you say you would put, you know, in the animation world, you would put Krakoa, you would put the school on Krakoa, but you also want it to be separate from like kind of what they do in the MCU. So do you not want to see Krakoa in the MCU just yet, or do you want to see them kind of going with the whole hate and fear thing? Oh wait, now I think you just poked a hole in it because I actually do want that in you. <laughs> 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 because that's actually how I would introduce mutants in in the MCU. MCU. Yeah, I would have them just kind of start with Krakoa. Okay, so would you would you would you do different teams then? Like you have one team on in the movies and then the different team yeah. in the Yeah. And that's how you, that's how you yeah, make yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You got it. I would get away yeah. by doing something like that where it's kind of how the MCU is similar to the carts some of the cartoons now, uh, like the Earth's Mightiest Hero stuff that we've kind of seen before as well as some of the other previous cartoons where the teams are just different because of what was available to them at the time. So, yeah, similar stories, maybe swap out some teams. Do you think that there are any characters who, obviously there are a lot of characters who probably wouldn't translate well from animation to live action, but Mm -hmm. is there anyone who you feel as though should specifically stick to animation? Oh, um, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a few of them i feel like there's as far as x-men characters go yeah there's there's a few of them i think that maybe wouldn't go that well in live action Mm. um because we've we've seen a a couple of mutants in live action before you know from what the gifted tried to do mm -hmm. uh which uh even obviously the other movies which i guess did it well when they finally actually used their powers in those but yeah, like you said, there's just some who won't translate. Who's your? I think now that I'm thinking about it, though, the budgets for these shows have been so great nowadays that I don't know. There might be few and far between that you think that, they could do anybody now. Yeah, I, they may not be some that I would think would look good, like Maggot. <laughs> I think that would. Mm, look good. I wouldn't want to see him in live action. No, no. But like with today, like with what they do on Disney Plus right now, I would not be surprised if they could pull that off somehow. Mm-hmm. Do you? Well, I don't. Well, technically, there's been four cartoons. We forget about Pride and the X Men. Oh yeah, the little special Yo, that, G- had, that had <laughs> girl that had mm-hmm. Dazzler in it, and I think it, it had like a really bad uh, Emma Frost voice actress though. But not that I think why it's also interesting because did that cartoon become come before or after that arcade game? Before or with it, I think. With it? I always wonder if that had been successful. Do you think that's how that like Dazzler would have a higher prominence in the X-Men? Is what I'm asking. I think I think so. Yes. I think so. I miss it. I think that, that actually that was the point where Dazzler was on the cusp of almost becoming like an A-lister. <sighs> but yeah, but Jean said get to get away. <laughs> now that I think about it, because she was supposed to be the one in X Factor. She um, was. You know, and it, it had was the last minute. It was last minute change to Jean. Um, she was also in that Pride of X-Men stuff, but they, they obviously went more. They replaced her with Jean in the 90s cartoon. So it was just like, oh, 
It's just like, what you gonna do? Gina always stealing from the girls. <laughs> you know, that, that was her nice. thing. <laughs> thing do you have any because you're, you're you're very big into animation so i know do you have any specific like companies or animators who you think would do the x-men really well mm, yeah i would love uh I, i'm a big fan of uh powerhouse right now they've been doing some great stuff with i don't know i'm not a big he-man fan mm-hmm. but i don't know if anyone has seen that trailer recently of the new he-man like relaunch show for netflix but that looks Amazing. That's really, really good. Really, really good. I would love to see them tackle the, the X-Men. I think they would really handle all of the action stuff really, really well. Powerhouse um, is amazing. I love, mm-hmm. I love that. They do a lot of the Castlevania stuff. And if you if you guys know me, you know I love Castlevania. Yeah. So. Yeah, they they are there's a really great team over there. Um and I've been like kind of been watching them get formed. <laughs> Actually, I've been following like a lot of animators over there and I saw when they kind of formed it. So it's really cool to see them get these big projects with Netflix and stuff. Um so I would love to see them get take on take on. Man, that would be so dope if they got to do like saga <laughs> and then they got to do like um like second coming that was always been a dream of mine is to have an animated second coming like i don't know arc or movie mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. if we if we ever finally get that x-men like second animation i, I want a second coming the messiah trilogy is definitely one that i think should needs to be a dad like i actually want to see that in animation and i want to see it in live action because both mm-hmm. of those are just going to look really good and then bastion uh and his army of Nimrods, while well, the X-Men have to fight in this dome that he trapped them in. Oh, psh. absolutely, it'd be everything. The the Betsy and Laura scene where she's like throwing her onto the aircraft, and she's like, "Do you need a minute?" And Laura's like, "No," and she's like, "Good." <laughs> uh, a, easily one of my top five favorite events. Yeah, the entire Messiah trilogy. I'm not sure how I feel about that in live action, because I feel like they'd have to scale that back. Um, I think. I feel, I, feel like like pull a, so I feel like they'd pull a civil war with that one. Oh, you think so? Yeah, that thing, that book was kind of they had like a lot of people in there fighting, you know, like that was like you had all the young uh Academy X kids in there and like Yeah. That's like a, a like an end game mixed with an uh, Age of Ultron type of situation. That's an age of, that's definitely an Age of Ultron kind <laughs> of for sure. But I really liked um I could totally see them doing you know, like how the Justice League had those uh, animated movies. I could see them doing something like that with. Mm. That would actually be really hot. Mm-hmm. Would you want your um, you and so you'd want your animated series to be a Disney Plus exclusive, or would you want it to be like on a network? Mm. Network means it might be cheap, <laughs> so, so maybe <laughs> it, might, it might be Disney Plus. It might be the way to go. Well, I mean, you, you might get like a Hulu situation. Oh, right. That's fair. Um, you know, I would actually end up saying maybe actually a Hulu situation hmm. because then the then the animation can kind of be a little bit more adult. Not as far as the content, just the way that the the things are shot and the animation and the way that the fights are choreographed mm-hmm. versus something that would come strictly on a Disney Straight Marvel mm-hmm. side because the, cause the Marvel animation side has been a little. It's been a little. <laughs> so you want them to have that little extra helping hand to kind of say, 
we can do some of this work for you. Okay, I respect that. And I would just want them to be able to have the the freedom to get a little bit bigger with mm-hmm. kind of the fight scenes or any of the scenes in the show versus Disney Plus stuff where the animation can get okay, but sometimes they kind of do cut away from stuff too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you would say you have your different teams who obviously don't give me your MCU X-Men. I don't want to know that just yet. We'll have that conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. But who do you think would be on your animated series side? Okay. Um, give me five. That's interesting you say that because sometimes I try to stay away from always just saying the OGs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you really would have to have them there, you know? Because, like... You think so? When you Wait, when you say the OGs, do you mean the 05? Or do you no, mean no, the no. All, all I different? mean, like, all know like, different. Oh, like, okay. you know, Magneto, Xavier, Storm, Cyclops, Cyclops. Gene, Wolverine. Yeah. I feel like you kind of have to have all of them there. Uh, yeah, okay. But if I was to say people outside of them, who it would be nice to see off of that kickoff? Mm-hmm. Do you mean like in the beginning of the show or this is like just overall who I'd like to see? Give me both. Okay. <laughs> overall... In the beginning, I would like them to start with the all new, all different. Give okay. me, give me Storm, give me Sunfire, give mm-hmm. me, um, you know, I would even love for them to have a a side story of the Vulcan thing going on, and then we show how like Ooh. that whole thing died, so we get Petra and Sway and all that. That would be dope. Okay. Um, okay. Overall, who I would like to see, obviously Lorna. Mm-hmm. Um, a given um exodus in animation will be dope <laughs> Hello. <laughs> if they ever want to do um bloodlines that would be mm-hmm. fantastic i love that story um i need to reread that because i think that was actually um exodus having to come in and clean up cortez's mess that <laughs> after he like kidnapped oh, to leave a mess. yeah um a great event though yeah, I would definitely want to see the two of them. Uh, How did you feel about Lorna in Wolverine and the X-Men? Uh, she was okay. They just made her too young. Okay. I think you they made her She should be younger than Wanda. You know, obviously mm-hmm. that's her, her older sister. But yeah. they made her a little too young. Um, okay. She's like the, the princess that, you know, was... Uh, away in her castle <laughs> <laughs> i think that like she's if she would have been a lot older mm-hmm. and a little bit more like aware of herself and uh, know who she was kind of who she was like towards the end of the show where she kind of defied uh gambit and and her dad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie to you i don't remember too much of that show i was not a fan when it was out really yeah I, th- I thought the animation was pretty dope and i thought i enjoyed the way they did some of their powers but <clears throat> Overall, I just really was not a fan of the story arcs. I wasn't around uh, a fan of the portrayal of the characters. Um, I like that if, that episode that had Bishop in it and Hellion, and they were like, "Oh, in the that's future. one of my, that's that is my favorite episode." Oh yeah, that was a cool I watched episode. episode. I'm not gonna lie, I watched that episode probably once a week. Because <laughs> <Really? laughs> like I'll like have when I'm like wanting to turn something on, I'll put that one on because it's really good. The animation is great. Legit, like and hell again, finally. So hello. That's probably like why I actually enjoy it because it's the best episode to me. But the rest, 
I like that one episode where um he they slammed Emma and Quicksilver slammed Emma into the column too. That was funny. <laughs> she broke her nose. Yes. Iconic. Iconic. Well <laughs> I mean you probably didn't like too much of that scene with, you know, Betsy getting. Oh. Uh I honestly didn't like Betsy and cartoons aren't really a thing. Like even in the nineties cartoon, she had a super minor role. She was some ninja. <laughs> and even like in the movies in the three she was in they never even named her they said her name in apocalypse that movie, i mean and well she was a, like that's the thing she's either a throwaway villain or they don't name her it's just yeah like, who cares? that's why that's why i just can't wait for us to finally start to get some better X-Men mm-hmm. content from you know Disney uh, it's obvious that they're probably waiting while they get the things under control with what they're going to do with the X-Men I would not be surprised if a lot of this ends up being you know now that I think about it I couldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they actually do start with Krakoa really yeah because now that I think about it they could easily market that as like the spiritual successor to the 90s cartoon and just like tee it up that way for the masses who don't know anything about. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at. It. I know a lot of people know what's want going on to start with Krakoa. They mm-hmm. don't want to see the hate and the fear thing. I do uh, understand your point though about kind of needing to see things like Dark Phoenix Saga and stuff. I guess done right. Mm-hmm. But that, but yeah. like, and when I, but I, when I say done right, like I mean, I want them if they're not fighting the Shi'ar. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Like, if you're just going to give me another version of the Phoenix being some manifestation of Jean's imagination or that little girl she <laughs> back to haunt her, then I don't want it. Send her <laughs> in the space shuttle, have her come back down and get possessed, have her kill, eat a star and kill a hundred broccoli people or however many people are on that planet. She's a murderer. Let's right. get to the nitty gritty of it. <laughs> don't do anything else because then I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, I need it to be accurate. I don't need to just have... I, you know how I already feel about the Phoenix Force. <laughs> don't even get me started on that. It never needs to be a thing that has like any connection with Gina as like, another power for her. It should mm-hmm. be something that uh, is an external force. Obviously, we see that in the comics. Echo is a Phoenix right now. So, um, That's the ultimate reality. I would want the... I don't know. It looked real to me. <laughs> 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 right over there with She-Hulk and her like uh, red room training. Not um, in reality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I feel like uh, they can definitely do some good stuff with it with animation and kind of expanding their, that roster. Mm-hmm. And really, they can start with Krakoa, I think. All right. Start kind of really introduce that as like a. So I'm sure people, I mean, look at House of X and Powers of Ten. Like, that's such a jump, jump on point. You know, that was like an easy pointing to like to for people to say, hey, this is where you can kind of jump on. So I could easily see them doing that as for yeah. a car. I don't know how that works necessarily for live action because that universe already kind of started where mm-hmm. 
animation, you can easily just say that on the first episode, hey, while everybody slept, the world changed. There you go. Okay, boom. I count. That was a good line. I mean, it's usually uh-huh. sometimes, but it's a good line. <laughs> Listen, you want to clean head. <laughs> Between that and the Twilight Sword uh, tearing the world asunder, and, and Twain asunder. Asunder. Mm. And to <laughs> go back down. Damn, now I'm gonna reread that story today. If there's one thing I will say wow. about that, this era is, while I will admit that some of the interior of the era is clicking down for me, mm-hmm. the the X Men as a whole right now is everything right now for Fantastic me. Fantastic time to be an X Men. All my things are doing great. I've got Lorna on the X-Men, Magneto is on the council, and now, like, the liaison for S.W.O.R.D. out there in space, Storm is a region of soul, Exodus is on the council, things are looking up. You just, you just said, you okay, I'm sorry, you like Storm, but you just said her name in the list of your favorites. Oh. Okay, that's fair, I will give you that. (laughs) (laughs) I will give you that. (laughs) It's just not like in my top ten. Oh. Top fifteen. Mm. Do those count? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Oh, okay. I feel like once you've gone past ten, it's just kind of a free for all after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Storm's got a spot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty high. Okay. okay. Okay, she's a good eleven. I'll take. It. I'll take. It. <laughs> that was. I want to talk about the X Men cartoons. I actually think once we're done today, I'm gonna to go watch a little X Men Evolution, um, because I am an X Men Evolution stand. That was some good content right there. X Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good. But um, you guys tweet us. Let us know what you thought about the X-Men cartoons. Let us know, you know, if you have a dream roster, how you want them to start or anything like that. Let's go ahead and take a little break, and then we'll come back for our rewatch of Loki. Let's do it. Asgard content. I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome back. <laughs> All right, you guys. Hi. And no, we're really welcome back. Um, we are now doing our rewatch of and retalk of Loki episodes two and three. Now, let's get into it. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I like this show. Really? Yeah. It's just not. I don't know why I said it like that because I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Okay. It's boring. Oh my gosh. It is so boring. I'm sorry. Like, no, like none of the cast have chemistry with each other. And it's like and it's sad because I think a lot of them are very talented. Like I think this cast has tons of talented people. Um there's just no chemistry. But we'll we'll talk let's talk about the episode a little bit. So we get into episode two. We know that Loki has now been um, captured by the TVA, and they are going to use him to help them find the variant, who is another version of him going throughout the timelines, killing folks and like stealing the little, what do they call the little time bomb things? Uh, they're like the reset bombs or? Uh... 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they go <laughs> to the spot. They kind of run into the variant, but of course they outsmart them, and they're kind of telling Loki, "You're useless. We know we can't trust you." I think it is interesting to see that to watch this whole process of Loki working with the TVA to see like, is he actually just doing this for himself or is he kind of turning over a new leaf and he's genuinely trying to help people? I think that little aspect of his personality is nice. But I won't lie, during that scene when he was uh, kind of telling them while they were in that uh, tent, he was like, oh, you know, no, the variant is, is mm-hmm. as of right outside, this is tricking you. I was like, I kind of believed him for a little bit. So <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I was like, why are they not listening to him? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's been going on. Uh, we also get the scenes of after he kind of fails, we show like just everyone's disappointed him. It's just like you are that insecure little boy. You're not able to do this. But we kind of see Loki as he breaks down and cracks the case of how the variant is getting away and being undetected because it's going through different destructions uh, mm-hmm. throughout history. So we track, we go to Pompeii, and we see him doing all this crazy stuff, and there's no variant energy recorded because hey, the world's getting destroyed, well, Pompeii's getting destroyed. Um, and so that has a big leap. So eventually we catch up to the variants and he's like saying, Loki, Loki, they are using their abilities to take over all these different people and this other, uh, what's it called? Destruction period. And we go into Rocksmart and let me just say, I love a reference to the Rocksmart Corporation. Yes, yes. Like <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> like, truly one of my favorite antagonists throughout the Marvel Universe. They are like, they're always just in everything. They're on top of it. And the heroes are never ready for them. And nope. it's crazy that they're never ready because it's like they do it all the time. <laughs> like, how y'all not ready for big business? Hello? <laughs> yeah, they're literally running you. Um, so <laughs> that was fun to see. Um, then we get the reveal of the variant is not the Loki that we know. It is actually Lady Loki, which, mm-hmm. hey. Lady Loki, um, how did you feel about that review? Um, I mean, it was interesting. I, I was kind of starting to suspect that the variant was going to be Lady Loki. I was a bit shocked that it was this blonde version of Loki, which we later found out is named Sylvie. Now, I don't know anything about Asgard, so I don't know if this is like a character that already existed before and or what. So, um, you know how the, you know there's the Young Avengers. The Young Avengers during was it the Dark Reign period? There was a Young Masters of Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a girl going around calling herself Enchantress in that group. Her name is actually Sylvie. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So does she look? Does she look like this? Does she? Was she blonde then? She was blonde. Like she was. Okay. She was uh, modeling her appearance after the Enchantress. So she okay. had like not just the name, but the look too. Yeah, she had the blonde hair, the green outfit, all that stuff. But we kind of find out she was just like a real girl named Sylvie. Uh, I forgot what that last name is, but the, I am assuming this Lady Loki is a callback to that. I hope she doesn't okay. turn out to be the actual Enchantress. I hope not either. Oh. I want that <laughs> oh, Amanda Seyfried is Enchantress. I can get behind it. I can kind of see it. Wake that up. Wake that yeah, up. You, yeah, 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 you yeah, woke yeah. it up with that. I see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I, like you said, I didn't. I don't know too much about Asgardian stuff, so I wasn't sure who the Sylvie character was or who she was supposed to be. Um, but I thought it was interesting enough. I kind of already guessed that it was going to be like Lady Loki anyway. The broken up horn thing is cool and the callback to, I think, something that happens in the comics. So that was cool. Um, I thought 
I don't know. I, th- I think I find a lot of the stuff with the TVA very interesting. The mm-hmm. Minutemen, the time cops, the technology they use, the way it looks and the effects of the area and the corporation. I think uh, the stuff with Mobius and Ravana is like just amazing. I think those two characters have a lot of chemistry together and they work very well together. Um, even, even Mobius and Loki. I think their scenes are really nice. I know I heard some people saying that they didn't like that the series feels a little slow and there are people just talking. When those two talk, I enjoy it. But I also enjoy it because Mobius is very much like, get to the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You're just dragging this on. So that's a nice dynamic to see. Um, As we go into episode three, so after, of course, we got the reveal of Lady Loki, she gets away, but our Loki follows her into the... um, What's the place called? The TVA headquarters. Because it's her plan yeah. to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And they fight a little bit. They get away. They start, like, porting to all these different places. They end up in another world that's about to be destroyed where the Earth is collapsing or a moon is collapsing into this planet. And so mm-hmm. they're just trying to navigate a way to get the Tempad back up and running because it's burned out. Now, I think this episode is the one where I started to realize that I do not enjoy this show. Yeah. And... <laughs> This is when I was like, oh, this is boring. And it was truly watching the two Lokis together. Um, I do not find that dynamic interesting at all. And then I realized the more that we stayed away from everything involving, like, the TVA and that headquarters over there, the less interested I was. Yeah. Um, I will say that there was some amazing action in it, though. And the scenery again of like the planet colliding and just like as the stuff was coming budget. out. A budget. But the budget was there. Yes. I very much appreciate all of that from this show. Um but everything else Loki stopped just, in that like falling pillar thing with his like powers and pushing it back up. That was kinda cool. He he does a little bit of everything too. Maybe we should get like a good little definition of his powers. I also I did like the scene where he was explaining to them the difference in the illusion casting versus the making the duplicate of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always love um, a power explanation moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, this episode for me um, was just kind of boring. And I found myself just like kind of being spaced out while I was watching it and just barely paying attention to the point mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, I should probably try to watch it again. So I like make sure I didn't miss anything. But then I noticed I didn't miss anything. I was just bored <laughs> because... Uh, it just, I don't know, wasn't really waning my, my keeping my interest. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't know. And it, it feels weird. But again, I try and say that maybe it's because it's like time travel and other world stuff. And I'm not usually into that. But again, I think about the TVA. I actually am really interested in t- the TVA and the things that they do. I think I would just prefer the show to focus a little bit more on that. Um, I do think the action scenes are also well done. Like yeah. Lady Loki, she fights. Shout out to her for that. She does. She needs to do. And I also kind of like the Loki even telling her, he's like, all your plans end up in you fighting. He's like, that's what <laughs> And it's like, I respect that. Mm-hmm. I do like the kind of moments where they kind of call each other out on each other because they are the same thing. That was kind of interesting. And even them talking about like their experiences with how they were raised by mm-hmm. their moms and yeah. how Sylvie didn't have a mom versus Loki having a mom was interesting with that parallel stuff, but still, like, I just wasn't that interested. It's it's, it's just, it's again, it's the chemistry feels off to me. You just don't really get drawn into the conversation, and you're just bored. Yeah. 
I'm going to stick with it. Obviously, we're going to keep watching it and, and discussing it yeah. on the show because I do think that the finale and probably that penultimate episode will probably be the things that like crack open the multiverse and like, you know, I think I'll have bigger. Did you get the little bit? Did you get the little bit about Mobius when he was in there with Ravana and he had her pen and he was like, oh, I guess it's from that um, like other life you live. It, he said it was or from like, like, oh, this must be from that your that analyst you keep on the side, um, mm-hmm. which to me makes it sound like she has some secret, like person that he don't know about, mm-hmm. which I think is Kang. <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking too. Um, but I would not be surprised about... if Kang may already be a villain and like an enemy of the TVA, and like she's not supposed to be, like. Mm-hmm. With him. Mmm, that's juicy. Mm-hmm. I love a little, little uh, Star Cross Lover type situation. <laughs> together. Um, how did you feel about, you know, so when Loki was talking to Mobius, one of the things they discussed was how the timekeepers made everything and everyone, and that's why they were doing that. And then Sylvie reveals to Loki that everyone in the TVA are just variants who have been, I guess, maybe mind controlled or like had their memories altered to think that they are. are created from the timekeepers how did you feel about that movie uh that was kind of a, a an interesting hammer drop um who knows how that's going to affect the tba and like if that's going to tear it all down um yeah yeah i don't know it was it was an interesting one but it's it was it wasn't like it was like crazy so you, you know what i think about i think about when you were talking about that issue of static and how mm-hmm. you said you liked it, but you felt as though it lacked bite or it lacked punch. Some punch. Um, that's that's what that's what this show is for me. It's like there are a lot of interesting things happening, um, but there's just no punch to it. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, I feel like that should have been like a really big moment. Like, oh my gosh, Mobius, who I love. He might be my favorite character in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's being lied to. But it's just, again, it feels kind of swept right under after it happened. Yeah. But, I don't know. We'll see. I, Hopefully this show starts to punch up. I want to see some more Asgard. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh. Well, it sounds yeah. like you're probably going to get that when you get to Thor. The yeah, next Thor movie. I'm, I'm leaving for that. Uh, and I've seen those um, those set photos that have leaked from that, and they look great. It's looking, it's it's looking really good. good. I try, I've been trying to stay away from anything that has set photos, or if I like see them come across my timeline, I like move really fast. Quickly. Swipe yeah. up. Um, I want to be surprised by everything. I know there, there was supposed to also be some promotional stuff that came out that's going to be like t- t-shirts and things, and it apparently has James Lucas Thor on it. Oh, from the movie? Yeah, from the movie. Oh, wow. supposed okay. to be, It's supposed to be Love and Thunder promotion. This friend supposed to get her first look, but I also have scrolled very fast past that as well, because I don't want that yet. I bet you think they're going to give her that helmet? Yes. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can't wait. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one's going to be good. But yeah. Um, I, I hope for the next episode we get back to the TVA and get a little bit more to them. Because mm-hmm. that's really what's keeping me here. The way they fight. I love the little sticks they use when they be pruning people. So, so sad to the, those little uh, cops who got pruned because they can't fight. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's just like, dang. Um, from I think I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think this has made me realize that I'm kind of a fan of like cops in fiction. 
Oh my sister. <laughs> it's it's not really like it's not really like cops per se, but I'm really into the group that strives to keep order and justice for the betterment of society. Like a fascist. it's like it's a small force (laughs) it's not it's not it's not fascist it's not it's a small force because they're like people live like there's governments they are just the force who help keep the people <laughs> in line. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think that kind of comes hand in hand sometimes with the idea of superheroes. So I understand where you can kind of get some interest in that from, but it's still sounding a little fashion to me. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. What kind That's of regime you are playing uh, that you are into enforcing <laughs> your <laughs> dominance on people? <laughs> it's, it's not dominance. It's the betterment of society. The <laughs> best. <laughs> <laughs> You're using the wrong words, and words mean things. Okay. It's the betterment society. Just keeping the order and the peace and the justice. I don't know if that... <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Um, wow, okay. Well, I guess that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Um, hopefully we have one next week unless Keenan calls the cops on us. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I only like them in fiction. I don't do, I don't do it in the real life. No. <laughs> Um, make sure you make sure you guys are please subscribe to us on um, anywhere you catch your podcast as well as on YouTube at another relaunch TV you can find us email us with any of your questions or concerns at another relaunch at gmail.com you can find me at uncanny LZ on most social media platforms Keenan where can they find you you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lanch. You know, there's an underscore at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, let's get up out of here. We will catch y'all next week. Peace. Oh, and don't forget, guys, we're actually going to do a rewatch next week of Aquaman. So tune into the Twitter. Share your thoughts. Let us know. It's going to be an exciting time. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. A lot of fun. <laughs> 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 Bye, y'all.